Hey, this is Hunter Henry of the LA Chargers, and you're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We fought all day long. Stay tuned, man. We got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5, scooting in for the score. Touchdown. Yeah. Yes, welcome everyone. This is at the full 10 yards NFL podcast. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you aren't finding yourselves on that COVID uh, slash exempt list. NFL podcast in front of us here today. We're going to be talking about all about COVID and maybe the potential impact uh, it could have on the 2020 season. And to help me do so, we have three people in the huddle today. First up, we have Mr. Sean Blundell, still buoyed from the, uh, the Aston Villa Great Escape. Certainly am, mate. Who, who would have thought that the, the single biggest comeback in Premier League history with four games to go, mate, still bouncing a week later. Absolutely <laughs> chuffed to bits, mate. And uh, the third person in the huddle, Mr. Retro himself, Mr. Lawrence Voss. Lawrence, how are you doing? Can you smell what the rock is buying? <laughs> the XFL, just in case you didn't know it, for $15 million, probably pocket change for him. Um, since he's done all his WWE and his acting. So good luck to The Rock and his ex-wife, bizarrely, as part of the um, purchasing crew. So they've already announced that um, they will follow the NBA model and actually have a a bubble um, as early as 2021. So let's see what happens with that. But um, I certainly like what The Rock is cooking. Yeah, you certainly could say that the XFL's hit rock bottom. Uh, yeah, so we were, I'm, I'm sure Sean's excited to fire up the XFL podcast uh, as and when that, uh, that that is deemed appropriate. But yeah, he's nodding, nodding his head in agreement there. Um, but, but obviously back to the NFL first. Obviously, if uh, like you mentioned before we come on air, Sean, if uh, the NFL season gets cancelled or curtailed for for reasons probably mainly due to COVID, uh, it'd be interesting to see, the like you said, the, the, the word appetite uh, for, for the XFL come, come next season because I'm sure uh, shares in the XFL will skyrocket um and certainly viewership as well because obviously uh, there was there was I'd, I'd say there was enough appetite for it when it was around um earlier in the year as well so it'd be, it'd be interesting to see obviously how that all plays out but uh, yeah the rock and a couple of other people making some headlines there for the xfl but uh, today's nfl podcast like i say is all about covid we're going to be talking about our opinions on how we think it could affect the season maybe look at a few scenarios as to how it could play out and what we think you know are, are the nfl doing the right things in terms of making sure players are feeling safe and because you know, we have uh, people are opting out as as and when we speak and we'll, we'll get to those in a bit later uh, and a few other, other other little bits of news as well some contracts getting handed out uh, and some trades being done as well um before we get into it then chaps i suppose we have to ask the question uh, we did we did this a couple of weeks ago on the last podcast and, and where we think we're you know temperature check of whether or not we'll have an nfl season uh, sean has your opinion changed over the last couple of weeks or where, where are you at in terms of a naught to ten scale uh, if I'm honest, mate, it's it's probably looking less likely the closer that we get, and you know that's not something I have any great pleasure in saying. Um, not an awful lot of good news coming out at the moment, is there? Um, if we're being completely honest, we'll touch on it in a moment. But um, it's obviously still, you know, it's still a worldwide problem, isn't it? We've got enough problems here in this country, but you know, it's obviously magnified over in the states. Um, all huge amount has been recorded day to day. It's looking very, 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 very risky to say the least. Um, you've only got to look at Major League Baseball that's come back, which, you know, non-contact sport, much smaller teams. They've already had games cancelled and lots of other problems. So, you know, there's some big challenges for the NFL. I still think overridingly, money will come into it and rightly or wrongly, you know, it'll play a major impact in it. And that probably means that we will still get a season or certainly we will still start a season. Um, and and probably see the league reacting as and when things uh, require to be reacted to. But, you know, if I'm being honest, my temperature gauge, we say it was 50 50. I'm probably more 40 60 now. Mm. Yeah, certainly as the, as the weeks have, have, have gone on. I, I certainly think, like you say, we'll, we'll start. I just think I can't see how. Um, how they will avoid having to abandon the season. Uh, I'm not quite sure how that will that would look, and we can we can hypothesise about that surely. But yeah, I think I'm more sceptical. I have been over the last week or two in in 
thinking that the season will finish, whether or not the, the regular season will curtail and then we'll wait maybe however many weeks to, to then start the postseason on adjusted maybe um, win-loss records or, or what have you. But certainly the, the, the thing that speaks to me is the NFL have certainly put things into place that um, can be sacrificed, which says to me, again, that they're worried um, and they're, you know, they're not overly optimistic, which is why they've obviously put those things in place. And I know they, they have to do that anyway, just to be to be on the safe side if the worst were to happen. But I think the fact that they've gone to such lengths to to do such uh, to do such things in terms of the way the schedule um, has been devised in terms of people's bye weeks and teams playing in the first couple of weeks etc etc I do think um that it's going to be it's a, it's a longer shot it's, it's certainly if you're a better man it's odds against that the season finishes the regular season finishes um it just depends on kind of how yeah what the season ends up molding molding uh, into so uh, Lawrence I know what your thoughts are yeah I mean it's it's all the travel I mean you look at what the the NBA did I thought it was um I thought it was rather ironic that the first player to contract COVID from the NBA actually was the first person to score in the NBA restart. Rudy Gobert um, got the first points in the in the Jazz Pelicans game, which I, I didn't watch. But I recorded had a had a had a watch of that, and it was a really exciting game um, all, all the way up to the end. So you know you can see that there are other leagues that are trying to do this, but the NFL is not doing the same thing. There's still teams travelling. Whether or not there's going to be any in the stands, completely different matter. But, you know, it's as, as Sean said, this is, it's, I'm starting to get a bit more of a sinking feeling. Mm. So you, you, look at the, you look at the numbers. I mean, we've, it's under 50 at the moment in terms of the, the players that opted out of the, the NFL season. But then in terms of those kind of on the, the COVID lists, we don't actually know who's got COVID or been in contact with someone with COVID because that's the, that's the kind of, you know, GDPR equivalent of, you know, the sort of data protection around who's got it. So, you know, who knows at the moment? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be with Sean. I'm kind of like, I'm, I'm being down possibly to a you know, one third likelihood of a, of a full 20 week season mm. happening on, on schedule whether or not somehow it gets reduced by a couple of weeks, I don't know. And there's a possibility. We've lived through two strike-shortened seasons. Um, probably you two are too young to remember the, the first one. Um, but I certainly, I was at school in the 87 strike season. I remember that vividly. So we know that the NFL can continue without having a, you know, a complete regular season schedule. I think that that might be what happens in the end, but the NFL don't want that to happen because there's so few games played in a season. Unlike you know the you know Major League Baseball, where you've got a ridiculous amount of game, you can't lose games. But that that might be what happens to keep that league, to keep the NFL going and actually get into the playoffs and get into a Super Bowl. Mm. Yeah, and like you mentioned there, Lawrence. Obviously, at the, at the moment, the NFL and the NFLPA and you know, everyone involved are trying to brush through uh, an agreement um, to to obviously put an end to the current opt-out period, um, which is kind of I think just before we came on, I saw a tweet saying that it's looking to be around Thursday or Friday. But Sean, do you just maybe want to give um, give us a, a, a run over what's you know kind of what this opt-out period means, what it's all about, and and why the players, why some players are opting to do so. Yeah, so essentially the league have, have given players the opportunity to forfeit their participation in the 2020 season by opting out. It's quite complex and complicated, so I'll try and keep it relatively simple. If the player is considered to be high risk, uh, and there's a number of factors as to why a player could be considered high risk in terms of medical reasoning and family history, those type of things, um, they would essentially receive $350,000 for the season um, and their contract pretty much just rolls on for another 12 months. Um, There is a cap um, sort of reward back to the team, so they don't get charged any salary cap for that player. Um, However, and this is where it does become quite complicated, there are still roster bonuses and things like that that potentially have to be paid and aren't calculated in that. So it's not that clear cut. 
Um, a player can also opt out if they're not classified as high risk. Um, if that is the case, they'd earn 150000 for the year. Um, and again, that's obviously just each individual player's own reason to do so. As Lawrence has mentioned already, there's already been a number of people that have taken that option. Um, some of the sort of more higher profile ones are, are Dante Hightower, um, the Patriots linebacker. Uh, you've also had CJ Mosley, um, big free agent signing for the Jets at the linebacker position as well last year, and a, and a number of others. Um, it's almost become a bit of a, a running joke that uh, if you play for New England, you're going to opt out. It seems that there's a huge <laughs> amount of Patriots opting out. Um, and of course, there's the conspiracy theories that they're all into to tank for Trevor in the draft. Um, so we'll see whether that... Uh, happens or not but the the league are, are trying to actually bring this deadline forward um you know potentially as early as tomorrow or or even wednesday the the concern from the league is that agents and some players potentially are going to manipulate um to their age so players that potentially would get for argument obviously got cut wouldn't receive anything for the 2020 season if they didn't end up with a team they could potentially, if they were in a high-risk category, secure themselves $350,000 for the year. Um, however, there are some sort of safeguards in place that if a player isn't on a roster next year, then they would have to pay that $350,000 back. So it, it is very, very complicated. Um, it's obviously unprecedented circumstances that everyone's trying to negotiate through. Um, there's obviously masses of testing and all sorts of other things that have been agreed between the players and the NFL. It appears at the last minute, to be fair, from all the talk that was on Twitter, I'm sure people saw the hashtag, let us play or whatever the, the move was um, with the players demanding that some of these, you know, very reasonable requests by the sound of it were taken on board. You know, so obviously the league will, will sort of say they're doing what they can and they're trying to offer some sort of income protection. But it is, um, it is an ever-evolving picture. Um, and obviously, like I say, teams will have to react accordingly. Um, you know, it could have huge you know, impl- implications on the season, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a moment in terms of players that do opt out that people would have been relying on. Um, the other thing mentioned is not opting out, but as Lawrence has mentioned, players can be designated. So we often hear about injured reserve and these kind of lists. Well, there's a new one this year, and that is the COVID reserve list. And essentially, that means any player that either has contracted COVID-19 personally or that has has subsequently tested positive, they are placed onto that list for a minimum of 14 days. And again, we've got some high-profile players already on that list, You know, probably no more so than two starting quarterbacks in Matt Stafford of the Lions and Gardner Minshew of the Jags. Um, Now, obviously, 14 days the season to start until mid-September. So in theory, those guys should be off that list. Fingers crossed come then, as long as they're obviously fit and well. But you can imagine throughout the season, that's going to be you know, potentially you know, another huge sort of headache for people. Um, you know, If you're starting quarterback goes down onto this list, you've heard people talking about potentially isolating their quarterbacks during training camp and not having all three quarterbacks in the same room just so that there's at least one person that can throw the ball and so many different things that teams are having to try and figure out on the fly for this season. But uh, in terms of the opt-out strategy, like I say, that's, that in a nutshell, that's what it is. If a player has health concerns, they can opt out. There is some salary um, compensation there and their contracts essentially get extended by 12 months in a, in a nutshell. Mate, that's as simple as I can make. <laughs> and I think you bring up a, a point there, Sean, that I just want to kind of magnify a little bit. Do we Do we think that... Um, you know, for those players that are currently weighing up whether or not to make that decision or not, do you think that the you know, talking with the agents and maybe being a bit more set on the on the selfish side, do you think Lawrence that we will find players that will play in I say that in air quotes maybe one or two games and then you know come up with a an injury that they that keeps them out for an unspecified amount of time so that they a they get more than the minimum for the the 350 grand or the 150 grand and get whatever their salary is do we do we think that you know i mean that's high of the on the cynical scale but do we we think there'll be instances where players will be like oh if i you know if i play one or two one or two games and then you know poor hamstring or do this sort of I know you can't just go out and pour hamstring but do you know what I mean you know people looking to like you say Sean exploit the system in that they'll they're not they are worried about the COVID list but they're being a bit more um, subtle about being out for the season 
I think it depends on your profile. It depends on the team. And I think you, if we go a month, say, say the season does start on time, we go a month into a season and a team is, you know, Norton four or one and three with a kind of pretty dodgy win, then, yeah, you can see some unscrupulous tactics taking place, discussions between players and agents privately about how do we manage this to get to get the most money to that that you can protect yourself so yeah i can see a bit of that being possible mm. it's um it's interesting because i've looked at the of that of the 44 i think players that have opted out so far you know it's predominantly um offense and defensive linemen so i think it's 23 of those that have opted out so over half are either offensive or defensive linemen. And most of them are opting out because of obvious health concerns, with the exception of um, Laurent Duvernay Tardif. I probably did him some justice with that surname, um, who actually has opted out not because of his um, own illness. He's opted out because he is, in fact, a doctor, and he has decided that he will be better positioned to try and help people who either contract COVID or, or at risk of COVID in terms of him doing his kind of ethical job. And I think that's pretty incredible. That's pretty kind of Pat Tillman-like, really, in terms of, you know, what he's doing for his, his fellow people and his country. So we, we, you've got to look at the individual circumstances of why people are opting out. We, we look at Marquise Goodwin, who's, um, you know, who, whose wife has had, you know, you know, tragedies with um you know with births and things like that and again more reason to to not um you know want to bring that risk home don to hightower he's got a, a young baby and again he's, it's not that he's 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 got something he's he's opting out for his family so you know i think it's it it genuinely depends on the position that players are in you look at all the Patriots that are opting out and why are the Patriots the team with the most players that have opted out? It's because they've got rings. These veterans like, um, like Hightower, Patrick Chung, they've got rings. They don't need to worry. They've, they've been there. They've, they've done everything that's possible. They've, they've gone to the top of the NFL mountain um, and some of them have done it multiple times. So they don't have to do this. So they, it's not been a surprise to me with the Patriots players making those sorts of announcements. And obviously their, their busy mate, Tom defecting to Florida as kind of, I think has had a, a, a key part in that as well. So some lots of jigsaw pieces all around this, but yeah, I think that there will be some players that will try and manipulate the system in order to get more money than that statutory kind of outpayment. Mm. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting when when the deadline does pass the, the toll of the total tolls per team, and uh, you know a couple of cowboys that I've read <coughs> have been have been. Uh, I mean, is it Jamazi uh, Alawali is, is is recently opted out as well. But it'd be interesting to see how much there, or you know, depending on you know, the team, how much it dictates their seasons. So you know, if you're the Patriots and you've got. Yeah, yeah. To to exaggerate a little bit, you've got half your team out already. You know, there's a there's a better there's a bigger chance that they're going to finish in, in the in the you know the top half of the next year's draft. And you know, Sh- Sean, do we do we think that's going into the season that teams' fate has already been sealed, judging by the the, the number that's on that that COVID sheet of the opt out list? I think the NFL has always been an X man up type of league, hasn't it? You know, there's always injuries. There's always things that, that sort of come along that people don't expect. And, and ultimately the one thing I would say is it's, it's a level playing field to begin with as much as it can be. Um, you know, teams will, will have their own ways of dealing with it. And obviously individual players, as Lawrence has just said there, they'll have different reasons for opting out for, for what's right for them. Um, but the league itself can only do so much in that regard and give everybody the same opportunity to opt out. Um, you know, and ultimately, when the season does roll along and, and start, you know, it's a, it's a pretty level playing field as it can be. You know, yes, it's obviously going to be you know, not a great look for the league if, you know, let's for argument's sake, say Tom Brady opts out of the season. You know, and all of a sudden, all this hype that's been there this off season disappears, and people have got to watch. 
you know, is it, is it still Blaine Gabbert in, in Tampa Bay that's the backup? <laughs> you know, all of a sudden it's a, it's a slightly different feeling, isn't it? So I absolutely get that, um, you know, but ultimately the league have got to try and proceed and play a season. Um, you know, if you asked me a couple of three months ago, and particularly when the Premier League initially returned, if I use that as an example from this country, I wasn't a big fan of it when it first came back in terms of, you know, the lack of atmosphere at the games. It was very, very strange. The pace of the games didn't help in the Premier League because obviously the teams had been off for so long and it, it almost felt like pre-season. Um, judging how I felt last Sunday, trust me, it doesn't really matter to me sitting <laughs> at home whether there was a crowd there or not. And the game still felt as important and it still meant as much. And you could tell from the reaction of the players that professionally... You know, yes, they would have loved the crowd there to have been cheering them on and, and being there with them. But ultimately, as much as we are fans, they, for these guys, it's their job. It's their professional job. That's how they earn a living. And, you know, ultimately, I think, you know, will, will, will a team that sort of finishes with a better record than possibly is predicted at the start of the season have any, you know, other fear than a great sense of achievement and pride at the end of it? I don't think they will. You know, ultimately, it will still be the best team at the end of the season will be the team that comes out on top and they'll deserve it to come out on top. Injuries, mm. whether it's, you know, a sort of physical injury or in terms of this, you know, somebody opting out to potentially prevent, uh, you know, an injury or in this case, it's the same type of thing and, and ultimately it'll be as it is every year who adapts the best whose next man up is is the better next man up it'll be a real test of, of strength and depth for these teams this year mm. yeah and it's just for me just thinking about that think of if, if the season does go ahead and it's all 20 weeks I, I just wonder you know the ripple effect that it could possibly have it's probably not not a big one but if you've got a, a good team that say goes 4 and 12 because half of their team end up on the covid list for a number of weeks and you know for, you know obviously it's a two week window that they have to be on that COVID list, list for but say say for instance you know for the whole season you know for two weeks your quarterback goes down for another week your running back goes down and you know some of your offensive line goes down for the next week I just I just wonder whether or not we want that kind of season in in, in the record books or you know because like you say Lawrence a bit earlier if someone's like a, or, n- n- zero, zero and four, zero and five, and you know it's, yeah, they might as well just give up I, I just wonder whether or not it's worth it's worth having the season with with everything, everything that's going on, I don't know what your thoughts are. It's kind of, it's kind of, you know, it's one of those seasons. Do you stick a, do you stick an asterisk by it? Kind of like our, like the 80, 82 season, like the eighty seven season. You could even arguably, and because neither of you are Patriots fans, you could even put an asterisk by the um, sort of deflate gate seasons, arguably as well for the Patriots. So. You know, there's a lot of asterisks to and ultimately, 1967, the the person's coming out with a with a Vince Lombardi trophy, and that hasn't changed. So, however, however you've got there, the winner of that season lifts that iconic silver ball, um, and and they 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 they're crowned a Super Bowl winner. So, no, you know, for all these seasons that we've had so far, none of it's been taken away however we've got there so you know I think one thing that we haven't quite talked about gents is we've, we've talked a lot about players I think we've got to talk a little bit about coaches as well mm. and because COVID COVID doesn't care COVID doesn't care if you're a, a water boy a water girl um, a coach a receptionist uh, you know a, an intern it doesn't matter it's it's gonna it's gonna go through everybody um, so We've got to look at coaching. I mean, Doug Peterson's the latest to be announced mm-hmm. as um, as COVID positive, and he says he's feeling fine and he's he's you know going to carry on, but obviously within the guidelines that he's been told. I think you, if you look at teams that are on the the precipice of being half decent, you've got to look at the coaching. And if you if you get your offensive coordinator wiped out. Um, or you know, and you've just installed a new scheme, and you've got you're reliant on some some rookies to play some key roles, and your offensive coordinator goes kaput at the start of the season. That's when I think you're going to talk about a lot of trouble, and it's not even the players. Um, 
that are going to be on the field. It's those that are kind of looking after them, coaching them, motivating them. They're on the sidelines. They're in the locker room. They're talking to them. You know, it's, you know, the, the psychology of the game. It's not just all about who you hit and who you can throw to. It's about that coaching and about the, the mental side of the game as well. Mm. So I think, you know, teams could get absolutely scuppered if they, if they lose some of the really important coaches. Mm. Gi- Giants fans everywhere hoping that uh, Jason Garrett finds himself on that list. I'm joking, of course. I'm joking, of course. Don't, we, don't, don't wish it on anyone. Um, <laughs> so, do, Lawrence, do we, um, do we think that the, obviously, you're going to talk a bit about on how, how the, the process kind of is, go, is going to work during the season. Do we, do we think that the way the NFL have set it up in terms of the process and the protocols, do, do we think that they've, they've got it right? Do we think there's anything that's glaring, glaringly uh, omitted from, from what, what's going to happen? Because also, you know, it, it strikes me as a bit strange that they are trying to, to rush this window through and get someone to you know, sign on the dotted line to, with something there hidden in the, in the T's and C's. What, what, do, what do you make of uh, how, how the, this is going, all going to work? We've got two issues here. First of all, we've got the one about the, the kind of when you've got to declare by um, for, it to, for you to kind of be eligible for that salary. And I think part of that is, is just wanting to get some stability on the team because you're going to have to, if you're, if you're a, you know, a, a star running back, a star receiver that, that is going to be relied upon and you're, you're, you're opting out of the season, Teams have got to then look at what they're going to do. Who, you know, what free agents are still out there that they can they can pick up? What can they do? Are there people that they thought they weren't quite ready that they're going to have to put into positions of greater responsibility? So there's there's a lot to be done. So I kind of I kind of feel it's right that we we get a deadline and we get this done. And and you know that that unfortunately the players do have to make those decisions so the teams can get on. And obviously, we've got the factor of, the, of no pre-season. So the, the coaches can't even evaluate those players that are on the bubble. They're just going to have to make these decisions. You know, we're, we're at 80 players at the moment. You know, we're not even having all the players coming in at the same times. So you've got position groups and certain groups of people, those that, can, that, that are supposed to touch the ball, versus those that aren't supposed to touch the ball. So people like long snappers seem to get a little bit of extra privilege and they're, they're kind of heightened in importance for once. You know, they're the, they're the sort of forgotten people at the end of the roster, but suddenly they're kind of, because they're ball handlers, they get treated with a little bit more respect um, this season. So they're probably enjoying it more than anybody else. But yeah, I mean, the, the actual protocols themselves about kind of what happens. So if you, if you do test positive and you're going to be split into one of two groups, either the um, asymptomatic group or the symptomatic group, um, and there's a whole ton of requirements that kind of go around these. And then in terms of you coming back, you know, there's, there's things that you've got to meet. So you have to, you know, it has to be a 10-day gap has passed since the first COVID-19, since, um, COVID-19 symptoms appeared. At least 72 hours have passed since the last symptoms um, occurred. Um, and it's also done in conjunction with a team physician and the chief, NFL's chief medical officer. So there's quite a lot of hoops to go through to come back on. But we can see that, you know, people are doing it. I had a little alert a couple of minutes ago that there was a player... Um, forgot the name, but he's just he's just been kind of let back into the system. So it's working that they that players are coming back in, but I I, I think in terms of what they've got in terms of a process is is the right thing to do. Um, I don't I couldn't really argue with that. I think that's it, it's right. Um, I just think we we've you know it's one of these things that you can't kind of force people to do these. We've got to this has got to be right and if we're not going to let fans in um, and we're going to end up with a league with with kind of with the with the crowd noises in the background which some people love some people hate you know that's that's where we're going to be heading but I think I think the NFL have got the the balance right and in terms of the testing and yes there is a there is a bit of anger from fans and the you know people on the street saying oh well 
well, look at these, all of these NFL players, you're getting tested every day and you've got this privilege and we can't get tests. But I think that's, again, geographic, depending on where you are in the United States in terms of whether you can get access to a test or not. So, you know, I think, as I say, I think they're doing the right thing, but it's, it's going to be tough. And I think, um, you know, this is not a fantasy podcast, but I think, you know, that th anyone who's a GM of any kind of fantasy league is going to have to, to also manage a, a, a sort of COVID structure within their league as well. So good luck to all of you commissioners out there. Mm. One, one thing I will say is, is quite interesting actually as well. I know Adam, Adam our, our touchdown uh, tips, uh, our tips to an extraordinaire. I think you might actually find, obviously, if you've got a week where a team are missing three offensive linemen because they're on the COVID list, or I, ju I just wonder how, how much of an edge bookie, um, punters actually have this year, um, this year against the bookies because obviously... I don't know if they get the, the the bookies get the information leaked first, or but there's certainly opportunity windows there for you know if you know a particular you know, maybe the secondary of a team or an offensive lineman of a t uh, or defensive line of a team are out or out due to COVID. Surely there's an edge there to be had on uh, on like a player to touch to score a touchdown or you know a handicap spread or a money line or, or something like that. It'd be, it'd be certainly very interesting to see kind of week to week uh, how badly affected some some teams can quite. Can, can get uh, and whether or not that kind of get allows uh, people like us to to get some, you know line line our wallets with a bit a bit more money but uh, yeah sure what what, <laughs> what are your thoughts on on how the nfl have handled and, and put the protocols in place um you know like lawrence said there uh, the in, the ins and outs of how, how it's going to work do you, do you think that the the nfl have struck struck the right balance between player safety and you know what they need to function because that's not that you know we have to understand this from the nfl's perspective as well that they have to safeguard themselves from ex exploitation of of you know that like we mentioned earlier about the money and you know we have they have to try and make sure as much as possible that we're going to get through these 20 weeks do you think that the the nfl have been able to come up and struck the right balance on like we, like we mentioned on the fly I think from the outside looking in, it's it's almost the impossible task that they've got here, isn't it? You know, we've talked about bubbles and things like that. It just practically just doesn't work, does it? You know, you're talking about too many people, too many players in a team. You're talking about, you know, across the entire country. You know, the NBA have been able to get everybody down to to Florida. You know, you're not going to do that with the NFL. Um, you know, you couldn't play on the same field game after game after game the field would, would get ruined you know obviously a court you can play game after game after game on there which is obviously what the NBA are doing it, it, it's very very difficult for them um, I think they have done from like I say from the outside looking in a reasonable job I think like I say I think there's been a bit of anger that it's been rushed through at the last minute it's not as if Covid has just all of a sudden cropped up in you know July <laughs> you know the league have been aware of this um, so it just does seem certainly from a PR and a communications point of view, that it's just been left very late in the day. And that's obviously left a bit of taste. I think, you know, I can understand why there needs to be a deadline. Um, because ultimately, if, if players were given until the last minute to opt out, you know, it would be their right to obviously then exercise that. Could you just imagine on the, you know, the eve of the season, if all of a sudden, you know, 50% of, of all NFL players did opt out, the season would be cancelled there and then so I think they've given the players an opportunity to, to sort of you know stress um, to put their opinions across in terms of whether they're going to um, participate or not I think week to week it, I do think it's still going to be an evolving picture isn't it you know you can see what's happening in, in the country here you know in terms of lockdown measures changing week to week and different restrictions in different areas of the country and that's going to be the same across in the states, isn't it? You know, there'll be different restrictions from, a, you know, for the for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers compared to what there's going to be for the Green Bay Packers. For argument's sake, you know, it's going to be very different in terms of the situation that they find themselves in, just in terms of the local um, area and infection rates and all of those type of things. So it's it's a very very difficult one. Let's I think let's just all agree on one thing, guys, because we could talk COVID all night. Let's just hope in 2021 we're not talking about it at all, oh, and it's yeah, something it we can all look back on and think. Thank God that's over. Yeah, we can all, we can uh, all talk about a uh, whirlwind of a six months it's been. Yeah, we can talk about a Dallas Cowboys uh, Super Bowl victory with an asterisk next to it. Eh? How about that? <laughs> um, I mean, do we do we think no, Lawrence shaking his head? Look, do we do we think that um, there is any chance that there's enough players? 
that that opt out. Like I say, we haven't hit the deadline yet. Do we do we envisage a scenario where too many players opt out and we essentially the whole thing gets scrapped anyway, Lawrence? I, I think if we're to kind of you know we're, we're used to watching graphs, aren't we? Um, in because of COVID, we're watching the kind of the the curve of the graph. The the numbers have not been that extreme to date. So we're we're on about forty five players. If if that doubles for any kind of strange reason, then we can start getting concerned. If we get another five to ten to fifteen, it's it's all still manageable. There hasn't been a quarterback that has opted out yet, and they're they're the they're the they're the people that um, you know pay the bills. You know they're they're the people that you you want to see. You want to see the star quarterbacks playing. Um, so at the moment, you know, I think that that the season I think is still going to go ahead, but I I think there is a risk that things get slowed down a bit or delayed a little bit. Mm. I think this whole plan of getting stuff started for that first week of September, um, I just that's the bit that I'm a bit nervous about. And then what, what we can't forget is you know that. Let's let's remember all the years previous. We've all sat here and and moaned about the preseason, and the preseason causing unnecessary injuries and putting people in in ridiculous positions because they've they've had to come on for a series here and there in some sort of exhibition game, and then they're they're lost for the year. We we're not going to get that to the extreme, but we're still going to have to have people that are going to be. They need to hit each other. You know, I know there's there's um, a set amount within the collective bargaining agreement. There's a set amount of um, sessions of hitting that you can have during you know during what what is this remainder of the off season. But I think we're still we're still going to be um, we're still going to be reaching a season that I think is not. I, I, I'm my day. My my concern is that we're not going to hit that initial week one I think there's a possibility of a couple of weeks delay and I don't think it'll be caught up so that's just my theory that we might end up with a with a 14 week regular season but no one's talked about it I've just got a a feeling in my head that as things progress and I think between you know with the remainder of August you're still going to get naturally we're going to get players that are going to get injured so you you've got you know you know it's going to happen there's going to be people doing, you know, whether it's just non-contact drills or whatever it is, their own little scrimmages. People are going to have some horrific injuries. It's just the law of statistics. Put COVID on top of that. And then, as, as you said earlier, Tim, we could be in for some big trouble with teams, especially those that are projected to be on the rise. Mm. Yeah, I just, I just think, obviously, you mentioned there, Lawrence, about only like 43 or 44 people uh, to date being up to doubt but you know I can just imagine Jim White on the COVID deadline day outside one of the grounds with his yellow tie on and, and you know reporting all the news of, of people that are up there you know, I, I think we, we will see a decent a decent number of people uh, on on the deadline day whenever that might might be that to, to opt out and I, you know what I'd, I don't bookies won't offer anything on this but I wouldn't be surprised if a quarterback does you know, you know Matt Stafford like I say he's currently on the COVID list his, his wife's not been uh, too well in terms of health and there's issues there and uh, James Connor has said he's coming out he's, he's had uh, health issues he's come out and said that he doesn't intend to but I think I think quite a lot of people are going to leave it to to the last day because they want all the information available and, and not preempt a decision and not you know not prematurely shoot shoot their their guns. So I do think we'll see a decent spike of numbers, and I think it just just remains to be seen on on who and how many in, in a certain position. Um, like I say, because it's all defensive linemen and offensive linemen at the moment. But yeah, if you get a couple of quarterbacks or a couple of running backs, a couple of wide receivers. Could be could be a different story, and like I say, you know, the NFL will, will want to, and like a boxer just taking loads of jabs at the moment. It just depends on which one's gonna gonna you know knock the wind out of them and, and knock them down. But obviously, I'm hoping that's not the case. I just I'd be I don't think we're we're far from out of the woods yet in terms of you know the to, the total numbers. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw uh, anything upwards of, of double the, the the current number as well. And I, I think it just remains to be seen the names and uh, on on who that is. Um, I don't think there's anything else really we want to be. 
uh, talking in terms of COVID. And so we, we spent a good portion of on talking on, on how it could affect, affect the season. Um, I just wanted to shout out to Chris Lawton, who obviously pointed out that obviously, you know, like we've mentioned there, uh, Lawrence mentioned, we can't really do uh, bubbles in, in the NFL. And obviously we mentioned that XFL uh, were, were looking to do so as well. But I think obviously if the NFL had the opportunity to, to do a bubble, then, then they would. But you know, it's as far... It's far harder logistically and uh, physically to, to, to be able to do that anyway. And I don't think um, that's ever that's ever going to be uh, an, an option for, for the NFL. But um, yeah, that's obviously uh, COVID and how it could affect the 2020 season. Let's move on to now to a bit of news that will affect the 2020 season anyway, because it's happened. And if we have a season, obviously there's a couple of guys that uh, have been handed out new contracts and a couple of guys, one guy, one guy hit the headlines and that was Jamal Adams, safety out of, uh, from, from New York, the uh, New York Jets. Uh, Sean, he's found himself a new home. Yeah, he has indeed. Um, so he's headed off to Seattle. Looks like they're trying to get a new version of the Legion of Boom put together by the looks of things. Um, huge price that the uh, Seahawks have paid here, though. They've given up 2021 and 2022 first rounders, as well as a 21 third rounder. And safety, Bradley McDougald. Um, Bradley McDougald has actually participated in pretty much every game for the Seahawks over the last three years. So he's not um, he's not a household name as such, but you know it's a guy that on his career has got four hundred and twenty five tackles, ten interceptions. I you think know, he's, he's a good player. He's certainly a serviceable option um, at the back end of a defense. Yeah, he's, look, he's he's now Jamal Adams. Let's let's not try and kid no. ourselves, but you know he's a decent player that's been traded away um you know so huge price like i say for seattle to pay i think from a new york perspective you've got to be happy with this you know adams had been on record as saying that he wasn't going to play again he wanted to move and you've got an awfully good haul for you know a player that is excellent however he plays in a position that is it really that much of a difference maker it's an awful lot of money to give up for for a safety, um, you know, if I think back over the last sort of 10, you know, 10 years, 15 years, maybe, you know, there's probably two safeties that spring to mind as game changers, and that would probably be Troy Polamalu and Ed Reed. Um, you know, but again, it's an awful lot of um, capital to be giving up. But on the flip side of it, I know we say this with draft capital, it's, it's what you do with it that counts. So, you know, ultimately... Uh, I never think that there's winners and losers instantly with a trade. It all depends on how those, um, you know, those assets now get distributed. If the Jets land two first-round picks over the course of the next couple of years, they've potentially got a chance to really turn the franchise around. As a fan of a team that's seen multiple first-round picks end up leaving the, the team sort of two, three years down the line, they're not worth anything until you actually hit the right guy. So mm-hmm. who knows how it will end up. Win-win for both sides, and as much as Seattle get the player they wanted, and, and like I said, the Jets get a pretty nice haul. They've got to now turn in, uh, turn that into something useful for them. Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to give two first-round picks to someone, it's not Adam Gase is the, one of the last people I'm going to give them to. But yeah, I, I think the trade works for both teams. Like I say, the Jets uh, aren't a team that are going to be competing anytime soon. Sorry, Jets fans, if that's the the first time you've heard that in a while. But um, yeah, you know, I they need the picks like you say until they you know until they actually pick the player and, and we see how they turn out we can't judge this trade but i think um like you said sean to, to get two first round picks and a player i i mean i'd really like bradley mcdougald uh from the seahawks games i've watched um i don't think they've they've gotten a bad price for someone that didn't want to play for the team and wanted to, their contract extending and like i say seattle uh, although jamal adams may defer the extension of a, of a contract uh, to next year um I, I think that they've done they've done really well uh, lawrence any any thoughts It's a funny one because the Jets, I think if you look back on their last, I think, I don't know whether it's seven or eight seasons, they've ended up trading away something like 80, 85% of their first round picks. Leonard Williams has gone, you know, they, 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 they whatever they do, <laughs> these, these high profile rookies and then as they go on these first round picks, they just don't seem to want to stay in the Big Apple. So what you might want to do with those first round picks is, is use them and, um, you know, be a bit, do a bit of um, Belichickian magic around them and, and trade down and, and, and acquire some later picks. Mm. And as you say, Tim, because the, the Seahawks traditionally 
are a playoff team and their first round pick is not going to be a traditionally even a top 20 pick, they're, they're a bit more relaxed. And I think their fans are a bit more relaxed because those two first round picks, they're expecting them to be in the, in the mid 20s. So what you're probably going to end up doing is if there's a player you're targeting in the mid-20s, there's a distinct possibility that you're going to get them in the second round. Mm. So, you know, you, you just, you, you can, there's, a, there's a bit of a gamble. It's a bit of a risk. Yeah. It's like with the Dolphins and, and, and Tua. They could, have, they could have wasted a lot of draft capital to move up, but they just stood there, waited patiently for him to fall and, and got him where they wanted him. So it's it's how you it's how your your GM and your your cap people manage the draft process, and that that I think is the problem with the Jets at the moment. In terms of all these top ten picks, they're just not working out. So they might want to start fishing in a slightly you know murkier pool mm. as opposed to the you know as opposed to going to the trout farm. They might want to go to the swamp to try and try and find something a bit more interesting in the later rounds mm. i think i think it's also worth noting that um, seattle have not not been great with their uh, first round picks in recent years i think what last three have been this year was what jordan brooks which everyone had raised their eyebrows out last year was was it lj collier last year or the year before and then you had rashad penny as well i mean it's not, it's not as if like you say picking in the back back end of the first round you're not you're not guaranteed a blue chip guy and you know to turn someone into a, into a hall of famer so uh, i think judging by what seattle have done in the last couple of years with their first round pick as well it's probably what they, they kind of thought Do you know what We've, we we suck at picking first round players let's just go and get a first round a potential hall of fame player from a team that are that are, are sinking ship and, and, and yeah, you've got you can't it's not a, a loss it's not a, something that they, they've they've swung and a missed on that you know you've got jamal adams now again you've still got the, a, a non-zero chance that he comes in and uh, and and is not great but it's a very low low percentage um but yeah i just think maybe they've looked at their first round picks over the last couple of years and thought Do you know what let's package this year, uh, next year's up and, and what have you and uh, let's actually get a player that we know can play in the nfl and can and can do a good job albeit at safety so um, i wonder it'd be interesting to see what the uh, conversations were be a fly on the wall uh, with with pete carroll and uh, you know, and all the guys over there in, in seattle but uh, yeah. Um, on the other side of things, Lawrence. Obviously, you, you're saying there people jet, the Jets can't hold players. Obviously, a couple of a couple of players have got new contracts this week. Uh, we'll, we'll start off with Raheem Moster was the was the first one to, to come out. Um, obviously, a minuscule change in the in the in the needle uh, in terms of how much he's getting paid. But um, obviously, he wasn't happy at being not not being paid at least the top dog or joint top dog over there in San Francisco. Yeah, and I think this again, it's. It's testament to John Lynch as the 49ers general manager for listening, listening to his players and understanding what he needs to do to keep his team happy. I mean, don't forget the 49ers were one pretty abysmal quarter away from winning um, their sixth Super Bowl. So, you know, they, they were hoping to join the Steelers with their, with their sixth ring. And they weren't that far away. That defense was playing lights out until Patrick Mahomes suddenly, you know, had the smelling salt stuck under his nose and decided to become Patrick Mahomes for the fourth quarter. So I think it's a good, it's a good thing to, to keep your, your kind of your players happy. And the, as I say, the, the Raheem Mostert contract, he can, he can kind of double his salary um, and he's, you know, getting a better signing bonus, but it's not, it's not a big contract. It's not a huge contract. They've got Tevin Coleman there. They've got the kind of Mr. Invisible, Jarek McKinnon, who, you know, fingers crossed, he, you know, he's had two years when he's been completely um, wiped out. Let's hope he can come back and the 49ers have, have kept faith in him. So that backfield. But if you look at what Mostert did in the, in the NFC playoffs, he was an absolute beast. So, you know, they've, they've done well to hang on to him. So I think it's a good move. And I think the 49ers, you know, I, I look at them with, with quite, quite envious eyes in terms of what they're doing, how they're maintaining their team and what they're doing in the back office in terms of stability. They've signed Kyle Shanahan to an extension mm. and they've just signed John Lynch to an extension as well. And they just want to keep this good thing going. They're not mucking about. They're not experimenting. They're going, look, we're going to commit to you. 
you've taken us to a Super Bowl, you know, probably maybe a year early. Um, we've, we haven't lost a lot of that team. We're only going to get better. So, you know, good on them. Good on the 49ers for doing that. It's, it's not a, um, a cap-busting move, but it's one that could pay off in, you know, big dividends in the, in the 2020 season. Yeah, I mean, it's, it could say just uh, just a quarterback away now from uh, from winning it all. Uh, <laughs> um, Lawrence, before I come back to you about uh, uh, one, Mr. Joe Bosa. Obviously, uh, before Joe Bosa got his contract, Sean Miles Garrett got his uh, his contract. What were your makings of of Jason Garrett's uh, contract? Um, Jason Garrett, Miles Garrett. I was going to say, if we've paid Jason Garrett one hundred twenty-five million, then I'm going to I'm going to, ch- to change franchises. Um, <laughs> No, listen, thrilled. Um, you know, I think you know everyone knows my view of him. I think he's an absolutely phenomenal player. Um, you know, he, I think he, he sort of leads the league in in terms of pass rush efficiency um, by you know the number of snaps that he plays. Um, he'd got ten sacks at the point of his he's, he's obvious misdemeanor at the back end of last season. Um, you know, so he was on pace for sort of sixteen sacks throughout the course of the season. Um, he, he's just a, a phenomenal talent. I've just said about the fact that um, you know assets don't become anything until you nail the right player. And Mars Garrett's the first Browns um, first round selection to actually get a second contract since Joe Hayden back in 2010. Um, so Good it tells step. you all, tells Good you step. tells you all you need to know really in terms of how many swings and misses the franchise has had. So the fact that he's been secured now, the defense can obviously be built around him um you know like i say absolutely thrilled and, and thoroughly 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 deserved um you know the, the the money seems big but then obviously you've already sort of teed it up there you know what are we two weeks later and joey bowser goes and gets a deal with another 10 million dollars on it for the same length of time um you know it all it's always the next man up isn't it in terms of the contract they always use the previous negotiation as that leverage and that bargaining chip to to move the dial for them um in their favor it, equally you know Joey Bosa another phenomenally good player they obviously came out of the same draft with with Garrett going one and Bosa going three um i mean yeah, it'd be an absolute dream to get them on the same team, wouldn't it? To be honest, but uh, I know the Chargers fans will be delighted, and Ali was uh, best ch- chuffed, um, you know, with it. Um, fingers crossed. Now they can obviously just build, you know, defenses in both franchises respectively to, uh, you know, get these, you know, top level athletes to to where they need to be, um, because they certainly, you know, have got the the ability to be playing on the biggest stage of them all. So two franchises that both will look to rebound after, you know, disappointing campaigns for different reasons last year. Mm, and Lawrence, obviously the only reason, well, one of the main reasons that the Chargers were able to to give kind of both of that contract is obviously the drafting of, of, of uh, Justin Herbert, rookie on a, on, a, on a rookie QB contract is obviously the edge of, being able to to get a team to the Super Bowl is that was that the main reason they were able to to lock Joe Bosa up? Obviously, you got Melvin Ingram on the other side, which is a you know a, a fearful uh, pass rush for any opposing quarterbacks to see coming from from both sides as well. But um, obviously, make the t- the timing makes perfect sense. <laughs> you run you run mute. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, he's he. It is a monster contract. I mean, five years, $135 million. So he's, he's going to be with the, the Chargers franchise, I'll say, for the next six years because I'm, there's no guarantee that they're going to be in LA in the next six years. Um, the, the guaranteed money is absolutely insane. $102 million guaranteed. So, you know, he can walk away a very, very happy man. And if you, if you look at its, his stats, yeah, he's had 40 career sacks in, in four seasons, but he has, um, he has missed 13 games, missed mm-hmm. four games in his rookie season. And then in 2018, he didn't even last half a season. But um, last season was his second Pro Bowl season, his second complete season and 11 and a half sacks and almost had his kind of his, his peak amount of tackles 67 tackles for the season so the guy is an absolute monster um i think there's there's very very few people that if you were going to start a 
NFL franchise and you were picking a defensive end that you would pick um, beyond Joey Bosa, I think probably the only guy that you, you're probably going to think of is his little brother. So, you know, Nick Bosa, who I think was an absolutely huge factor behind the 49ers reaching the Super Bowl um, the, the tail end of last season. I mean, you just think, God, what, what, a, what a lineage, the, the two of them. And they're going to be in the NFL for, you know, combined for at least the next kind of, you know, eight seasons each. So that, that's, that's, you know, it's going to, we're going to be talking about the Bosa brothers for a long, long, long time to come. So, you know, good, good on him for getting paid in a, in a very strange market because you've, you, the, the LA Chargers, they, you know, in terms of the, the fans, the fans aren't there. But it's almost the perfect kind of season to, to get this contract because the, the fans aren't going to be there. They're not, you know, they're going to be playing to bizarrely low crowds anyway. So you might as well get this deal done now, get it out of the way and be happy because then the market, uh, as, as Sean said, it, it's going to just keep going up. You're going to keep topping it, topping it, topping it. So I think the Chargers have, have made the decision to commit to, to Joey Bosa and I think that's a good thing. Mm, I'm just waiting for uh, Deshaun Watson's contract to come out and then uh, uh, more Dak Prescott news but there we go that's another day um, yeah I, th- I think uh, obviously they're, they're, they're kind of the big uh, bits of news over the last couple of weeks obviously biggest the biggest bit of news that's happened over the last week or so is the fact that Drew Brees says that he's not licked his fingers uh, in a, for over a few months now as someone who watches Drew and some of the Orleans Saints games, it really annoys me when he licks his when the amount of times he licks his fingers on the field just before it like oh he he's he's the worst. Every two seconds his fingers are in his mouth. He's like a two year old. Um, yeah, anyway, he's he's obviously gone cold turkey and not licked his fingers uh, for for a few months. So my my takeaway initially was that he doesn't eat ribs or, or any chicken wings with any sauce on them. So um, so my, my question to you to you boys is uh, Sean, when, when was the last time you licked your fingers? Oh, You're trying to get me to reveal my bad habits on air here, mate. <laughs> Mid thirties and still suck sucking my thumb. Um, honestly, can't remember, mate. To be honest, it's not something I keep a diary of. If I'm being completely honest with you, but uh, yeah, I'm with you on the Drew Brees side of things. It does seem to be a pre-snap ritual, doesn't it? So. Oh, it's awful, awful, awful. Um, yeah, well, say, uh, Lawrence, what about you? Well, it, it kind of it kind of makes me think. I went vegetarian about a year ago. I had a, a terrible experience with some big, huge um, homemade burgers and they got, they got stuck somewhere in my body and I vowed I would not go through the pain again. So I kind of cut out meat. But obviously when, when I was eating the, partaking in the, in the fried chicken from a, a certain, you know, middle American state. Yeah, when, when I had the, the colonel going, and it made me think. You know, that that's their slogan. So what? It, what is it? Hand sanitizer. You know, good. Yeah. <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken. Hand sanitizer. Good. Mm-hmm. You know, you, yeah. you, you can't put finger licking on a on a you know in a, in a COVID you know on a campaign during COVID, can you? Yeah. So, you know, either that or just get him to do a you know old school um, Drew Brees. Be like Jim McMahon. Do you remember what Jim McMahon always had on his fingers? No. The old Bears quarterback? Gloves. <laughs> Getting to wear a pair of gloves. and uh, uh, Just licking those gloves every couple of seconds. That's going to put him off. And you put, put some of that stuff that stops kids from licking their fingers on the gloves. Oh, no, see, then, that, yeah, that, that doesn't work. I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a nail biter. I, I'm not as bad as I used to be, but when I, when I was younger, I was, a, I was terrible for, uh, for biting my nails. And like, you used to put that, you know, that, that disgusting thing you put your finger in, and it puts a nasty taste on your fingers. I became immune to it. I just, ate, I just still chewed my fingers. Um, but there we go. But yeah, for, every, for everyone out there that wants to know, I, I, I always <laughs> lick my fingers after a, a packet of salt and vinegar crisps. Don't care what, don't care what variety. Love me. Love me some finger licking going on there. Anyway, let's, let's get... 
let's get out of here. That's uh, that's NFL pod uh, right, wrapped up. Just before we do get out of here, though, just a bit of a, a plug, a 14 yards plug for you. Obviously, as always, plenty of stuff going on here for 10 Yards HQ. In terms of podcasts, um, Fancy Boys have uh, been putting a few shows together recently. Make sure you go and check those out. Just uh, recently dropped the second of a live mock draft two-parter. So go and check that out. Three of the boys there from the Fancy team uh, doing th- picking three teams and you can go, go and pick your winner. Uh, certainly have my favourite there but I won't tell you which one because I want you to go and listen to it uh, in terms of Britball Britball has been coming out weekly over the last month or so uh, been doing some positional deep dives and last week we did uh, behind kind of a behind the scenes look at what it takes to create and successfully run a uh, American football team in this country thanks to the Dunfermline Kings uh, and Tony Reid for that uh, the college boys are getting back behind the mics as well so eyes peeled uh, coming uh, coming very soon indeed for a college podcast as they um, head towards the new hopefully hopefully the new season uh, albeit maybe slightly adjusted and in terms of those that maybe visit the website full10yards.com uh, articles uh, Sean has been putting out some articles most recent one of his uh, basically looking at some of the best names in the NFL um, so yeah there's also ones there if you're looking for any good uh, good good scores at Scrabble very much uh, recommend you go and have a look at that uh, and in fantasy wise as well uh, Jake has been doing uh, his On the Fence series and the um, Todd Gurley On the Fence with Todd Gurley was the one that came out on Monday uh, yesterday if you're listening to this on obviously on Tuesday um, um, yeah, obviously Rob has been putting out some rookie, um, some rookie articles as well, looking at you know some of those rookies that will be helping you, uh, hopefully in some fantasy leagues this season. I think uh, I think that's pretty much it for the podcast and everything going on at Full Ten Yards. So I'm going to say uh, goodbye and thank you, obviously, to Sean Lawrence for joining us talk about all COVID. Hopefully, uh, you know kind of what's going on now with COVID and the potential repercussions, obviously, for the NFL 2020 season. I've been Timmy Philander Monk. I've been your host. We will speak to you very soon. Indeed. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Lawrence. Take care. And, and the rumours are not true. Mick Foley has not bought the rights to the World League of American Football. Mm. <laughs> and a goodbye from Sean. Cheers, buddy. Catch you soon, mate. In the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's a bye-bye for now. A bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards. Or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.